Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. The jumps season has arrived and this is our Cheltenham Showcase preview sponsored by 888 Sport. Coming up on today's show, we'll be covering off a couple of races on Friday before going through the card at Cheltenham on Saturday with tips from Andy Holding and Rory DeLaghi. You'll also hear from a man who knows a thing or two about Cheltenham himself, legendary jockey and now 888 Sport ambassador, Barry Geraghty. He'll be answering your questions Thanks to those of you who sent those in. We'll be getting to that halfway through the show. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined, as I mentioned, by our two expert guests, Odds Checker's very own Andy Holding and the excellent, as ever, Rory Delaghi. Great to have you both with us today. And as I said at the top of the show, the jump season is back. We go to Cheltenham West. So much focus around the jump season seems to centre, of course, because of the festival, which is a distant spot on the horizon, Rory. But how excited are you? To have Cheltenham back as a race course, how excited are you, are you to have the jumps back? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say 22 weeks to go, um, <laughs> which is uh, roughly the, the the situation we're in. But yeah, always, it's good to see proper jumping back. Um, traditionally for me, I'm sure Andy would be much the same. Um, when I was a lad, you, you would have no jumping at all from the Whitbread um, until the autumn on TV. And the sign of jumping coming back was that um, televised uh, meeting at Chepstow on the BBC, which was, wasn't on terrestrial TV this year. Um, and then the, um, the first meeting on ITV or Channel 4, as it was back in the day, was um, uh, the Charisma Gold Cup at Kempton. And then you were, you were into to, uh, to Cheltenham thereafter, although the, the October meeting at Cheltenham was never a, uh, never a big thing in the, uh, in the uh, early 80s, mid 80s. It's, mm-hmm. um, uh, the showcase has... has um, uh, really grown in the last 10 or 12 years uh, as a big meeting and it really is a sign that that um uh that um jumping is back properly we'll we'll not talk about the festival i think people get fed up with that but this, this <laughs> yeah. is the meeting in its own right um that uh, that stands up to some scrutiny things you know will will step up a gear again uh from the middle of next month uh, but it's nice to see racing back at cheltenham and i gather that the ground is uh, good to magnificent according to the clock of the course yeah, I mean, that is what we're going to speak about. I mean, looking ahead, Andy, at what we've got in store for us, both over Friday and Saturday. Now, this we're recording this at, at 10 to mid, midday on Thursday afternoon. So we've got the the, the uh, both Friday and Saturday cards confirmed. The Friday markets uh, are kind of forming as we speak. Hopefully, by the time we get to Saturday, those will be there too. But what can we expect in terms of, of conditions um, ahead of, of the weekend in terms of rain? I, I know there's been a, a lot of rain around in the south of England where we are. Uh, can we anticipate it's going to be fairly uh, soft come come Friday and Saturday? It could be fairly welcome, whatever amounts they get in them. I think they probably needed it. Um, saves Simon Clace probably having to um, go to the, uh, you know, his, his water resources just, just, just now, which is good. I don't think he wants to be making artificial ground at this time of the season. Um, if it's just on the easy side of good, I think that'll please all. It hasn't pleased everyone because... It's still not soft enough to get us really big feels in a lot of the races. And we've actually got um, a couple of withdrawals to talk about on, on the Friday, which is a little bit of a shame. Um, off your Rocco doesn't go. We'll get on to that in a second. But I think this is just the hors d'oeuvre, isn't it? It gets the the, uh, the juices flowed for the rest of the season. We see Cheltenham again. You know, the crowd that we uh, flocking in in their droves. Of course, we haven't been able to, be to uh, go to Cheltenham since mm. 2020. Uh, so there'll be lots of people chomping at the bit, dusting down their tweed, um, Tweed jackets, etc., and um, I'm sure they'll have a big crowd Friday, Saturday, come come whatever the uh, the racing. Yeah, I'm incredibly excited to watch it. As you say, too much is said about the the festival itself, but it certainly is a place to watch racing. Um, nothing gets much better than sitting on the sofa on a lazy weekend afternoon and watching the racing at Cheltenham. And I'm looking forward to doing that over the next couple of days. Uh, as I mentioned, we are we are going to touch on the racing on Friday, so tomorrow. So if you are listening to this on Friday afternoon and that's all out of date, you might want to scrub forward a bit. Uh, make sure you don't miss out the interview with 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty, which will come in between our previews of Friday and Saturday day racing but we're just going to touch on the the first few races on the card on friday because you know i think we're going to leave the handicaps because these are you know it's the Cheltenham showcase we're going to see some exciting uh novices effectively we've got a novice hurdle to start uh, a novice hurdle in the third race a novice chase in the second with familiar some familiar names in there as well so before we do get into previewing those three races on friday the first three on the card just going to point the listeners and viewers in the direction of the odds checker app it is where you can get the best prices bookie offers free bets 
and plenty else as well, including, of course, Andy's tips straight to the app every morning of racing. Uh, but we'll get into the the opener on Friday at Cheltenham now, the 155, the Ballymore Novices Hurdle. And this looked like it was going to be a decent betting heat. Off Yorocco, though, has since been withdrawn, which means that uh, Camperond is the 2-7 to favourite ahead of Mars, Har- uh, Mars Harper at 7-2. to all clenched up nine to one. Bankstown boy fifty to one. And Andy, I'm pretty sure you're not going to be tipping up a two to seven shot here. A shame not to get more of a competitive field in the opener. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, off your off your Rocco, uh, who won at Limerick last time. Also, I put up in my column has been a real progressive type. Uh, he clocked a good number the time before the Listall Festival, beating a horse called Farut, who previously won well at uh, Galway. So he would have been serious competition. For Compron, of course, winner of a graded race himself last time out in the shape of the Persian War. And that, that was a career high for, for Philip Hobbs's charge, wasn't it? Who prior to that been a little shade um disappointing in, in some respects in, in handicaps, albeit it wasn't his fault he was sent off favourite. Um and they stepped him up in trip and he seemed to really suit it. I think with the exercise for this race with Royal Guards Compron to see whether he can translate that Chepstow form to Cheltenham because I'd have I'd imagine that Philip Hobbs even now has got the festival in mind, um, perhaps mm. in the view to put him in a way through the depths of winter when the ground's heavy because he looks a you know good good to soft ground horse at best. Um, what race he'll end up running in the festival, I, I don't really know. Um, but look, you know he's got a good cruising speed, he's got plenty of experience, and I, I think this is a formality for him because Mars Harper wouldn't be good enough from what I've seen over in over in Ireland. Formality, probably one for the for the favourite backers in their ackers. Hopefully they don't go down on the first leg with a big shock in the first. Uh, we won't spend too much longer talking about that opener, but we'll move on to the squareintheair.com novices chase. The 2.30 uh, and third time lucky is the 2-1 to one favourite head of Fidelio Valis at 9-4. to four. Any news 5-1, to one. Buddy Rich, sorry, any news 5-2, to two. Buddy Rich 5-1, to one. Sativo 33-1. to one. Rory, just five run here, but at least we've got a much more competitive, albeit trappy uh, affair. Where do you think the value lies at the moment in this one? Um, I mean, third time lucky is very interesting uh, in terms of, you know, you, you, you want to see how he gets on. He's had wind surgery since we last saw him. He was second favourite um, this, well, around November time for the um, uh, for the Supreme based on um, on his early mm. showings over hurdles. He came up short in the end, um, but he's quite an exciting horse. He's um, He's got a very high cruising speed. I'm not sure he finds as much off the bridle or he certainly didn't last season, as looked like on occasions. Um, he, he frequently looked to be travelling best, but he was turned over having traded short and running a couple of times. Um, but maybe the wind surgery will fix that. And he does have a point background as well. So he's an interesting horse starting off, off over fences for the skeletons. Um, but I think the um, the fitness of any news might make a difference here. Um, he ran very well at Warwick the other day. Uh, the fact that he was beaten in a, in a handicap chase at Warwick would um, would put a few people off. Um, given you expect to see graded horses in this race, but he was just in need of that run. I thought it was well well backed, um, but he found a, a race fit rival and beyond the clouds just too strong for him there. Although he probably would have won if he'd winged the second last. Um, the only worry I would have with any news, I was there that day at Warwick. I didn't think he moved brilliantly to post, um, and he was just a little bit um, uh, doddery in the, in the very early stages of the race. Once he warmed up, he was very good. Um, he jumped very well down the back straight, which is always a test for horses. A really good track to bring a novice Warwick um, because of that line of fences in the back straight, which any news cope very well with. And he jumped, he, he jumped pretty much all the fences uh, and the last circuit really well, apart from the second last, which comes very quickly after the bend. And that can put a horse off his stride. I thought he did really well then. I expected him having made that mistake to fade out of it and finish third. Um, but he's rallied again and was, and was going on very well close home, just beating the neck. Um, by beyond the clouds um, the going was just on the soft side of good there but it, it got softer through the day it, it rained reasonably heavily in the afternoon um, so he won't mind the softer grind uh, whereas I think beyond the clouds uh, who won that race really wanted it pretty quick uh, and, and got away with it that day but any news I spoke to Neil Mulholland afterwards he was really pleased with him thought he would come on from the run and thought he was a really good prospect for the season so if he copes with the early fences here and that would be my only worry with him uh, I think he's a kind of horse who might just need to warm up a little bit. But once he has warmed up, um, I think he'll um, he'll go very well. He looked a, a really promising novice hurdler last season. He's got a proper chasing pedigree as well. Um, and I think he will um, he'll run a big race here. It's possible that third time lucky would be a better long term prospect um, as a as a chaser. But any news with that run behind him um, just three weeks ago, uh, his superior fitness will kick in there. 
any news the one for Rory there five to two best price at the moment uh, Andy how do you see it yeah certainly respects any news you know he's he's always looked as though he, he was going to make a chaser but um I think the horse coming in here for me certainly with the best form and with fitness on his side similar to to Rory's um and he knows is um Fidala Vallis I, I imagine Paul Nichols came away from that race the other day at Chepstow scratching his head how this horse didn't manage to win because very rarely do you see a horse jump as well as he did and not win. I think you've got to give fair credit, therefore, to T Clipper, who ultimately outran him late on. And I think the the kind of conclusion I came to, having having watched that race a couple of times, was that, that maybe Fidalo Vallis wants to drop him back to two miles, and that's exactly what um, Connections have decided to do. This looks tailor-made for him, doesn't it? You know, fitting well, mm. jumps well, good ground fine, plenty of experience. Off in front, I'd imagine, and and put his stamp on the race from an early stage. Get the others at it, if, if you like. Um, third time, look, he's one of several horses that Dan Skelton's going to be hoping will make up into a nice two-mile novice throughout the season. Kadzan being another one. Unfortunately, we're robbed of seeing him today at Carlisle as we speak. He's already got Favre as well, which we'll talk about. Um, and maybe Langadan mm. as well, who, of course, ran really well at the festival himself. Whether he's got the scope to be chaser, I don't know. But um, those are the sort of three or four that Dan's probably hoping will make the grade this season in this division. But uh, on this occasion, I'd, I'd probably go with Fidalo Vallis, who, whose jumping is already uh, assured. Fidalo Vallis. Sorry, the only thing I'd throw in about Fidelio Vallis is well, well worth bearing in mind that he's only run once at Cheltenham, which was against third time Lucky in the Supreme Trial last year, where they were both beaten by for pleasure. And I didn't think Fidelio Vallis got up the hill that day. Um, I think, yeah, I think Andy's absolutely right about his 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 jumping being very slick and he's liable to travel very well through this race. But I'm just a bit worried about him coming up the hill, given what he showed here last November. And of course, he's eight pounds worse off, having been beaten by 17 lengths uh, by third time mm-hmm. lucky there. So that's a that's a bit of an ask of him. But you know, uh, judging judging chasers on what they did over hurdles is often a very dangerous game. Yeah, it's more to probably more to do with the ground that day. I think it was really soft ground, wasn't it? And- yeah. He's never struck me as being a soft ground horse, so um, horses can stop quickly on soft ground. But good ground as we speak at the moment. If they don't get any more rain, they, he, he'd probably just be OK. 9-4, to four, Fidelio Vallis there for Andy. 5-2 to two, uh, for Rory. Any news? On to the third race uh, on the card. It is the 888 Sport. What's your thinking? Novices Hurdle, where Dragon Bones is the 4-1 to one joint favourite with Caligogo. Uh, Grace Avuenki is 5-1. to uh, Bardenstown Lad, 11-2. to two. Uh, on a gathering storm, thirteen to two. Sarida Lack and Drumley Water both seven to one. Almas Alzamar Guard twelve to one. Andy uh, eight runners here uh, for the eight 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 Sports Novices Hurdle, um, the third race on the card. Anything standing up for you at the moment? Yeah, Bond Stan Lads, the, the one I quite like here, George. He's um, a progressive type. He, he comes from a stable that does, does quite well with this kind of horse. I think Streets of Doyen was a horse last year that. Had a similar profile and went on to run well in the Albert Bartlett, finishing third. And even though it's a fairly early stage in the season, I'd expect this horse to sort of go down that similar route because stamina seems to be his key component, major component. He he was very strong at the finish at Navan last time, having got outpaced behind Tully Beg, doing all his best work on the running. And I think he's really tailor-made for this track, two miles seven and a bit uh, on a stiff course should bring the the, the best out of him in him and. We know he travels really well because he came over here um, early on the season, won quite easily at Cartmel. So he's just the kind of horse I want to be back in in a race like this, particularly as we get the dead eight runners, nice each way bet around about mm-hmm. the five to one mark. And as it stands, of the ones I've seen so far, the likes of uh, Caligogo, Drumley Watar, and, and even the Nichols horse, uh, Grace uh, of Vuenke, wouldn't have any earth shattering figures next to their name to suggest that they're above average for this time of year. So I'd expect uh, perhaps John McConnell to be plundering another prize here with Bardenstown Lad. Bardenstown Lad blew on odds checker 11 to 2 as we speak at the moment. Uh, opened up, I think, 6 to 1 before that was swiftly taken. Uh, 13 to 2 it was before that was taken down. Uh, 11 to 2 as it is for the moment. The one for Andy. Uh, Rory, how do you see it? Uh, I'm with Andy here. I, I like, um, uh, I mean, John McConnell's record here is very good. Um, uh, he's done, done pretty well at this meeting, but his record when bringing horses over to the UK um, is pretty remarkable. 23 winners from 73 runners in the last five mm-hmm. seasons. That's a 32% strike rate. That's, you know, um, he, he's he's doing at least as well as Willie Mullins and, and Gordon Elliott on that. Um, and yes, he, he targets smaller prices as a rule. 
Um, but he does very well with it. And I think Bardenstein Lad is just a horse with, with a lot of um, a lot of potential as well. Um, the race he won at Cartmel was a nothing race, but it was just giving the horse a bit of experience. Um, he won it. He won when he was held up at Wexford um, in his novice, his hurdles debut. Uh, and then he made the running at, uh, at Cartmel. Uh, I, I very much liked his run at Nathan last night. He was only third there, uh, but that's decent form. Um, the, um, the winner of that race um, won a handicap next time out of a mark of 130, um, I, I think, um, Tully Tully Beg. Beg. Yeah. Um, and the horse that Tully Begg beat then won the Durham National next time out of a mark of 142. I know you're, sweet, you're, you're mixing codes there to a degree, but that's strong form. Mm. And if you look back at that race as well, that was a two-mile five, extended two-mile five novice hurdle. Um, Bardenstein Lad got outpaced um, in the straight and then was staying on really strongly from the last. If that was a three-mile race and they'd, they'd gone for home and they did, I think he'd have picked them up. Um, and he will definitely appreciate the return to three miles here. I think I think he's, he's definitely a better horse in my, in my book than Calagogo. Um, Calagogo won well at, uh, at Killarney last time out, but that form is, is suspect. I mean, he might be as good as it looks, but the, the second and fourth have come out and been well beaten since. He dictated the pace that day. It was a very slow pace and he's kicked on. He was very well ridden by, uh, by Jordan Gainford to win that. I'm not sure the form is worth an awful lot, to be honest. Obviously, the horse could be better than the bare form. Um, yeah. But I think Bardenstein Lad's form has got, has got more strength to it, more depth. Um, and I, I'd argue they should be favourite for this. So even though he's been clipped into 11 to 2 already, I think that's a value price. Um, as Andy says, particularly of all the eight go to post, because you're looking at a, at a, um, a very nice shape for each way betting as well. But I'd be happy to back and win only. Um, at that price. Um, Sira Delac has been quite well talked up for this, but he's got an awful lot to prove. Um, he was a very good chaser a couple of seasons ago, around two and a half miles, but he's he's failed to complete his last three runs. And all the positives about him over fences prior to that seemed to seem to go because his jumping fell apart um, on his last two starts. And he didn't look at all um, keen um, at Cheltenham when we last saw him um, at the open meeting uh, or the no longer the open meeting is at the November meeting last year. So I think he's got plenty to prove, particularly up on trip because he wouldn't be an obvious stayer at three miles. Um, Grace of Uenke, he could be better than he looked at Worcester last time out. Again, that was a very slow pace. And there must have been a length and a half between the entire field off the home bend. Um, and I don't think that suited him. He stayed on very well to be second, but he was outspeeded by the winner. So stepping up to three miles, he could do a fair bit better, but I think he probably has to. And being being trained by Paul Nichols, he's a he's well enough find in the market. So, for me, um, while most of these horses can do better, I think Bardenstown Lad has done enough to suggest he should be favourite for this race. I'll be more than happy to take eleven to two about it. Eleven to two, the double section for both Rory and Andy Bardenstown Lad in the third race. Uh, there are a couple of others uh, on the card. I'm just going to open it up to you guys before we move on to Saturday. We've got the eight 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 Sport novices. Limited handicap chase is the 340. Uh, and then, Andy, I know that you're with the, the maiden hurdle might be one for you, given your time figures. Uh, no prices for that one. A anything on the card, Andy, that you want to flag up before we move on to Saturday? Yeah, I think annual, annual Invictus is an interesting runner in, in that novices chase, the limited handicap. I think we're going to see more of those races, aren't we now, those uh, novices mm -hmm. handicaps. Um, I thought he ran really well at Utoxida, ran a track that wouldn't have suited him. He, he strikes me as being a horse at once probably further than two miles anyway, but more of a stiffer test. And when he got a stiff test um, in the uh, the Betfair hurdle, wasn't it, at um, Newbury behind um, Soaring Glory, he, he beat Buzz actually that day, um, mm -hmm. the Stays Hurdle winner-elect uh, ne next season. Um, <laughs> so um, I thought that was a really good run. Um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't put your absolute house on him turning the form around with Favoir, but... Um, to my to my eye, I thought I thought he'd probably come on for the run more than more than those two. You talked to he'll do for me there. And um, one of the one of the horses I'm, I'm going to be following for the rest of the season. Um, well, hopefully I will anyway. If he comes through his first race in flying colours, he's go <laughs> he's go Dante in the um, mm. in in the five twenty five. Yeah, he was he was a horse that I flagged up. I think last year when we did an entry preview, he was due to run in the. The champion bumper, which was a bit of a surprise because after he won at Wincanton, Connection said that's it for the year. But he, he got an entry and he was still declared to run. And they pulled him out at the last last moment. Um, probably um, discretion being the better part of valor there. Uh, but I was massively taken with his win when he won down the West Country first time. His time figure was very good. I love the way he travelled and quickened. And I think Ollie Murphy, who went close to winning the Supreme Novices Hurdle um, several years ago, might have that kind of a horse. Um, on his hands this year and it's interesting that he's starting him off at Cheltenham 
uh, over the mm. course and distance of the Supreme, obviously hurdle to get his eye in already. So um, expect his odds to tumble for the Supreme after winning, hopefully tomorrow. What kind of price do you reckon he'll be tomorrow? I'll be surprised if he's bigger than six to four. I must admit, I, 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 I've looked at the race. There's a few interesting runners in there. A few Irish horses, top bandit. He's only okay. Um, you've got a couple of sort of pointers and a couple of horses out of bumpers, but I'd be staggered if Go Dante's and quick enough or better than that that field. Put it put it this way: if mm. he's going to be a supreme novice horse, he's got to be winning this and winning it easy. He's got to win. It'd only be a lack of fitness really that would stop him. So, yeah, five to four, six to four. I'd imagine they'd be chalked up at early. Go Dante uh, there in the in the last one for Ollie Murphy and for Andy Holding as well. Um, in terms of a horse, he's looking to keep track of over the course of the season and then annual invictus there in the 888 sport novices limited handicap the 340 annual invictus currently five to two uh rory any other business there for you on friday uh, without putting up a selection for it, i think the um uh, the amateur riders chase is very interesting it's a big big field um the ground i mean there's, there's been plenty of rain around so the ground will will be on the soft side to start the meeting off um not not hot deep but soft enough to put a, a bit more emphasis on stamina than if it was um the typically quick ground we get at this meeting so if you're looking to have a bet on that race um despite the fact that it's a it's over an extended three mile one i think it'll be run at a really strong pace um and you want to be looking at jockeys who um who are happy to sit off the pace and pick things up late in the day uh, you need to have a lot of nerve to do that uh, the obvious one is the top one Derek o'connor has been booked for yeah. Uh, Mark was a car about. He's been off the track for quite a long time, but I, I gather has been has been laid out for the race. Um, uh, he'd be the most obvious one, but of course the market has picked him up and he's been backed into about about five to one favoritism. Um, yeah, Derek O'Connell will be happy just to sit sit out of his ground and gradually pick these up. Whereas I think a few of these riders are, who are fairly inexperienced amateurs will be, you know, when they find themselves travelling well at the top of the hill, um, they won't be able to stop themselves going for home. And as you've seen so many times at Cheltenham over the years, it's a long way home from the top of the hill. Um, so the mm. complexion of this race could change a lot uh, from the last fence. And I could see something coming from 20 lengths off them, um, heading down the hill um, and not necessarily going with them when they quicken and then picking them up after the last fence. So uh, as I said, the the, uh, the favourite with Derek, Derek O'Connor on board is an interesting one. But just work out who you th- which jockeys you think are which horses are suited by, by um, extreme hold-up rides. And keep them on your side and one or two of those will be big prices as well because a lot of the um a lot of the horses on the front end won't give their running you know they'll, they'll end up stopping quickly mm-hmm. from the from the last fence so horses who've got less chance on paper of getting involved uh, will pick up the pieces later on so that's worth uh, worth bearing in mind uh, even for your play spots and stuff as well in that last mm-hmm. race i just want to mention one um not that i necessarily think he's a great bet in the day he's liable to hit the frame though cirque royale ex godolphin horse uh, I don't think many people will know much about um, uh, a guy who appears as Gerald Stephen Quinn on the race card. There's a guy, Gerald Quinn, who was conditional jockey to, to um, uh, John Joe O'Neill about 10 years ago. Um, he didn't he didn't really make the grade as a conditional, but he headed back home to Ireland. He is now um, a salaried trainer for the owner of, uh, of Cirque Royale, Mr. McBurney. Um, he trains at a very, very nice setup in County Antrim, not, not a million miles away from where I was born. And I think you'll be hearing a lot more um, of uh, Jer Quinn in the next year or two. I think the, the setup they have there, uh, the McBurney setup, is very, very professional. They've got access to some some very nice horses. Um, and as we've seen over the years, you get some very, very good horses coming out of Northern Ireland. Traditionally, because you've only got the two racetracks there and not that many uh, top trainers, uh, the horses tend to go for export. But I think you're going to see more and more of those horses coming through. Um, and Jer Quinn is definitely a trainer to keep an eye on. When bringing them over he's only had his license since august i think okay um so it, it's a very recent license he had his first two runners at perth um uh, this one cirque royale was the first of them and he traded long odds on and running and just got touched off and the second of them won the bumper very impressively that day so this is an operation that knows what they're doing interesting a horse there in, in cirque royale to watch but more importantly a trainer to watch in jerk Quinn uh, there from Rory. Uh, we're going to get into the Saturday racing at Cheltenham in a second, but before we do so, delighted to say I was able to have a chat to somebody who knows Cheltenham better than most uh, and get his insights ahead of, uh, of what's sure to be not only a great weekend of racing, but a fantastic jump season too. 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty. 
Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by an all-time great, a jockey with nearly 2,000 winners to his name, uh, 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty. Barry, thank you very, very much for joining us today. Uh, how are you getting on? I'm good, Jarrod. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, not at all. You are here courtesy of our sponsors, 888 Sport, and that's a partnership that's just been launched this week ahead of the showcase meeting at Cheltenham. What kind of things have you been up to so far uh, in your new in your new role as 888 uh, Ambassador? Yeah, no, it's brilliant. I'm, I'm really enjoying the role um, and working with 888. But um, we were in Henry the Brahmins last week, uh, which was brilliant. Interviewed Henry, had a good chat with him, uh, looked at the superstars, Manila Indo, Manila mm. Times, Honeysuckle, Bob Allinger, uh, Aplutard, the wealth of talent. Um, and just to be there and see them in the flesh, Honeysuckle on the gallops um, and in around them, around the stables, everything. So now we we with full access. And um, we also did, we did a course walk in Cheltenham as well, um, which brought back some great memories walking both tracks and seeing the chase course, especially um, bringing back memories, Moscow Flyer, Sprinter Sacra, Champ, Bobsworth, lots of lots to reflect on. Yeah, well, we're going to get some of those memories uh, of yours from Cheltenham, plenty of them uh, in the coming few minutes. And, you know, I'm, I'm jealous of your time spent at Henry Job Bromheads. I mean, did you speak to him about last season? Because, you know, obviously he, he was lucky enough to have some incredible horses. But that week at Cheltenham is the kind of thing that dreams are made of. Not only that dreams are made of, but I think you could, you don't even dare to dream uh, to have a week like the week that Henry had at Cheltenham. Did, did you reflect on, on that time with him? Oh, he did. Um, and even still, he finds it hard to believe. Um, you know, it, it, the way it all went and then to, to win the Grand National as well. But to have the 1-2 in the Gold Cup, the 1-2 in the Grand National, to win the champion chase and the champion hurdle. And I said to Henry on the day, you know, that I feel that his achievements haven't been recognised for the enormity that they are because mm. um, I, no trainer has ever done that. What, what he did in one season, so many would be lucky to do in a career. It was it was unbelievable. So it's... it's uh, yeah, it's probably Henry. I don't think it's sunk in really with him yet, but uh, he, uh, yeah, he's he's not getting trying not to get too caught up in it. He's set the bar pretty high for himself uh, for the coming season. Can you sum up to us what Cheltenham Racecourse means to you? Cheltenham is everything, really. Well, it's it's yeah, you know, the first race on Friday in Cheltenham. You know, it's the start of the season. It's really where it kicks off. Um, you know, we're all looking forward to the festival, but every winner at Cheltenham, the crowds celebrate them like none other. It's there's no other race that gets the atmosphere. Um, the stakes are at their highest, and everyone wants to win at Cheltenham. So it's it is it's massive, and it's it's yeah, it's it's a, it's our flagship for the sport, and it's where we can showcase our talent, and it's where everyone wants to win. It's interesting because. I think quite often people get so wrapped up in the festival itself that you forget that Cheltenham Racecourse is a very special place to race at other times in the year. You know, we've got this cracking weekends racing coming up. We've got more brilliant stuff uh, in, in the future at Cheltenham itself. Is there still, you know, when you're a jockey, does the course itself hold some allure before, beyond the, the festival itself in terms of being that, you know, the home of racing effectively, where you want to go and win, win on, win on uh, whenever possible? Oh, definitely. Um, and, it's, you know, it's a, when you arrive in Cheltenham, as I did um, a few weeks ago, there's a hair standing on the back of your neck moment. You know, it is Cheltenham is massive. But you go out on the track and the track is, it's such a difficult track to ride. It offers great opportunities, but it also offers opportunity for mistakes or, or misjudgment. So it's, it's, it's the greatest test of all because there's so much mm. can go right and so much can go wrong. So there's a lot of moving parts when you're riding around Cheltenham and it's such a difficult place but tricky fences uphill runs downhill runs you know the, the finish the, the, the downhill run into the straight and then climb up to the finish line it's 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 such a test and then throw in you know the whole expectation the pressure the the crowd the atmosphere everything it, it just it all multiplies everything you, know, you mentioned that things can go right and things can go wrong. And we've asked a few people on Twitter to send in their questions for you. And the first one that I'm going to ask you is is directly on that theme. Uh, it was from David, who asks, what do you consider your best ride ever at Cheltenham? And I think diplomatically put this, which do you look back on and think, mm, I should have won there? <laughs> yeah, I'd say, well, start with the one that I should have won, maybe. Um, Janmort in the Neptune uh, 2006, 
16 maybe. Um, mm. He, yeah, I got trapped wide top of the hill. I went for a big jump at the third last to get into the position I wanted to be in and he made a bad mistake. It put me on the back foot. You know, he was second to York Hill. Um, so the form worked out well. As regards York Hill being a very good horse, but that was the one that got away from me. Um, I wouldn't mind having another go at that one. I'd suppose uh, rides, I'm proud of stuff. Champ was obviously brilliant at last year's festival um, to come from where he came from. But personally, I would say Bobsworth's Gold Cup was a little bit like Champ, outpaced over the third last. The two lead horses went for it around the turn in and I didn't commit and just saved a little bit, saved a bit and then committed after the second last. And he won well on the finish, but he didn't look like a winner for a lot of the race. So being the Gold Cup to win a race like that in that kind of style, it, it meant an awful lot. Yeah, I can only imagine uh, what I must have felt like. This is a question from Adam. I, I feels like Adam might be um, living back in the year 2000 here rather than 2021. He asks, who's got more of a chance of winning a Gold Cup out of Chantry House and Deffy Desoy? Uh, two horses that, of course, you know well. Deffy having a, a difficult time of things at the moment, but Chantry House looking incredibly progressive and exciting. Yeah, Deffy just hasn't really hit top form in a while. He is a very, very good horse, as you've seen with his successes at the festival. Mm. Um, but as regards for a Gold Cup, he would have a long way to go to, to get to that trip. I'm not saying he won't get it or, or might never run it, but he's he's one over two and a half. Um, to get three mile in somewhere like Kempton would be a stepping stone to a Gold Cup, but it's still a big step from there to a Gold Cup. Or Chantry House is a point-to-point winner. Um, he's one over three mile in, in Aintree. He won over two and a half at the festival. He looks a very progressive type and, you know, he has the potential to be a Gold Cup horse, but it is a very, very strong division. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fingers crossed we see Deffy return to the kind of form that we saw uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Leon asks, I'm interested to hear your, your answer to this. I imagine as a, you know, as a jockey yourself, you look pretty hard at this. Uh, who is a current young jockey to watch? Who would you want, who would you say people should keep an eye on for the future? Yeah, I suppose of the young lads, I'm a big fan of uh, John Joe Jr. I think he's a brilliant rider. Um, and he is getting the opportunity and he is seizing that opportunity. So for me, he's he's a man who's going to take the next step into the, the, the top level, I think. John Joe Jr., the one to watch there. No surprises. And a final one from Ali, who says, aside from Cheltenham, what's the meeting that excites you the most in the jumps calendar, both uh, when you were a jockey and now just as a racing fan? Well, it has to be the Grand National. Um, <laughs> the meeting itself was brilliant, but it's all about the Grand National and just going out in that race itself is yeah it's the greatest buzz just to ride in the race just to com- complete the course they're all thrills uh but to win it then is is probably it's uh it is probably the ultimate it's i mean it's interesting you mentioned that because i always wonder um very foreign to, to us as, as just racing fans watching on as somebody who rode in a lot of grand nationals as somebody who rode in a lot of Cheltenham festivals what were the nerves like? I mean, how did you feel a kind of approaching, you know, even if it was your 10th or whatever Grand National, did, did that buzz ever go? I mean, how different is it to, to the kind of day in, day out uh, racing experience? Uh, well, yeah, it would be different from the day in, day out. Um, you would always have a certain amount of, you know, nervous energy, which you will need to get up for the occasion. You know, your blood will be yeah. up every day of the week, but it will particularly be up for Cheltenham, obviously, and the Grand National mm. as well. Um, I'd suppose in youth, you would have more anxiety. You'd be a little bit more worried about the what-ifs, but then with experience, yeah. after 10 years' experience, you know to expect anything, um, and you're prepared for anything. So you can go out with a with a, a cooler head, if you like, um, to expect the unexpected is the thing, really. Um, but yeah, experience gives you that. But uh, there's probably more anxiety as a young fellow heading out. Before we let you go, Barry, let's talk about Saturday's racing. Uh, and you must be excited to come over and see some live racing back on, on this side of the, uh, of the of the water again. Uh, we should see some exciting horses running on Saturday. Cloth Cap runs in the 888 Sport uh, three-mile, one-furlong handicap chase. And, of course, Grand Annual winner Sky Pirate goes in the two-mile handicap chase. Uh, who are you most excited to see? Who do you think could go well uh, on Saturday? Yeah, well, cloth cap will be very interesting. Um, I'd suppose the the two things maybe posing a question mark over him, uh, his top weight, which I don't think is ideal. He's not the biggest horse in the world. It's also a first run back after a wind operation, 
which some horses don't often, they often don't perform to their best on their first run after, after an operation. So it will be interesting to see how he does. Is, um, it is a very competitive race, but, um, you know, he's, he's, he's towards the head of the market, I'm sure, and he'll, he'll definitely be one of the players, but it is competitive. Uh, the two mile chase, I think Sky Pirate, um, he looks to have uh, the measure of the opposition here. You know, he got seven pounds for winning at the festival last year. He was a revelation the way he progressed through the season. Um, but he looks to have all, all of the aces in this one. Interesting stuff. It's going to be a great day's racing. Thank you very much, Barry, for taking the time to speak to us. You've got a sneak preview there of uh, some of the horses racing on Saturday. Back over to Andy and Rory for their previews. Thank you very much to 888 Sport, our sponsors for this podcast, and to Barry Garrity for taking the time to chat to us there. Uh, let's get into Saturday's racing because we've got plenty to get through as well. We're going to leave the opener and the closer and go through the middle uh, five races on the card. And that starts the, with the 220, the 88 Sport. What's your thinking, Handicap Chase? Where Storm Control is the five to one favourite ahead of Cloth Cap and Jersey Bean, who are both six to one. Manella Bobo, seven to one. Definite plan, nine to one. Domaine de Lille, uh, ten to one. Eleven to one. Bar plenty still in there, Andy. Good to see some some bigger fields, I guess, here um, on, on the card on Saturday. Uh, what do you make? I mean, these prices are, are hot off the press. So uh, probably the first you've heard of them. What do you make of them? Well, just a race like this in general, really. Um... It's probably right down the bottom of my food chain, betting-wise. I find handicap chases probably the hardest betting medium um, in the national game, to be fair. It's all about rhythm, getting into a good place, and particularly Cheltenham, you know, eyeing your fences up and not making mistakes is paramount. Mm. Particularly when you've got an early-season chase like this, where you've got horses coming back off layoffs, some, some are jumpers. Which one you want to jump on is, is like I say, is quite a difficult um, exercise to, to, to kind of you know get your head around but I, I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for going another one another one of those John McConnell horses we talked about uh, his horse Bardenstown lad on, on the Friday and the same owner got, has got this horse he's a fairly consistent likeable type particularly when the ground's good and he has got fitness on his side he was very game in victory at Perth when we last saw him and he's had a, a very eye-catching spin as well around this track already it actually came on the new course when he was uh, six, wasn't it, in, in the Kim Muir? But if you if you scan your mind back to Cheltenham that day, um, he was one of the well well backed outsiders. I think he was back from 33s in around about 10s. But he traded at even money and running coming down the hill. He was miles off the speed. But then I think from sort of the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill, he come there looming as if he was going to win 100 yards. But on the rain softened ground, he just didn't quite get home over three mile two. Um, that sort of like sucked his life out of him. But I think, you know, th- sort of three miles good ground early on the season when he's fit, it's a different ball game at this time of the year. So he strikes me as being one that I, I wouldn't mind if he could on each way if I was going to have a bet or put one up. So, yeah, go mm. another one. He, he'd probably do for me if I was looking to do some play spots, etc. Go another one. That's the way you talk about these uh, handicap chases, isn't it? Go another one. Just move on to the next one. Uh, but 11 to 1, yeah. uh, the, the selection for you there, um, again, for, for connections you've already spoken about on, on the podcast, uh, 11 to 1 best price as it stands. Uh, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with Andy that I'd, I'd, you'd want to have go another one on your, on your short list for this. Um, plenty of them high enough in the weights. Um, I reckon, but um, a couple of interest in there. You've got to be interested in Storm Control, who who um, tends to show his form around here. Um, rarely runs a bad race at uh, Cheltenham, but more importantly, Kerry Lee's only had about three or four runners um, in the last couple of months, and they've all been they've all been winners. Um, she's uh, she's her last four runners have all been successful. She's not um, she's not running them willy nilly. Um, and therefore, you know, with, with a trainer in that kind of form, you've got to sit up and take notice. And a horse who's proven in the conditions, ideally, he'll want it. We want to find out the grinders on the soft side to, to back him. Um, if it's the quicker it gets, the more it brings others into play. Um, where a storm control handles it pretty deep. Um, so there'll be a slight question mark about the grind on the day. Um, I, I wouldn't, um, I certainly wouldn't run a rule like Manella Bobo either. He's gone up a fair bit in the weights for winning at, um, uh, at Foss Last in May. Um, but Rebecca Curtis tends to get her horses ready first time out. He promised a lot a couple of seasons ago and then just seemed to lose his way, again, as quite a few from that yard did, um, but good to see him um, back in winning form uh, when he was last seen, and although the handicapper hit him pretty hard for that, he deserves his place in, in a race like this, so I'd also, um, I'd also have him in the shortlist. 
Manella Bobo on the shortlist there, seven to one. Storm Control, five to one. Uh, move on to the 255, the Masters and Holdings hurdle, not named after Andy, sadly, uh, where Tritonic is the even money favourite, head of I Like to Move It, and Stepney Causeway, both 5 to 2, 66 to 1, two shots of tequila. So, to all intents and purposes, Rory, this looks like a three runner affair. Are you looking to take on the, the even money, Fav? Yeah, this is it's not a betting race for me. Um, uh, Tritonic looked a really good uh, novice hurdler last season. I liked him a lot um, on the flat, I liked him as a two year old. Um, and I thought he was the type who would who would do really well in the fullness of time. He obviously um, impressed plenty of people with his, his first couple of wins over hurdles. Um, although you know he was entitled to win um, as well as he did at uh, at Kempton in a second start, and then he came up short in the um, in the triumph. It was a very strong triumph though. Um, but I was I was a little disappointed because he you know we expected him to improve a chunk again on what he'd done at Kempton, and he didn't really come forward. If anything, he sort of took a backward step there. So um, there's a slight question mark as to whether he's going to fulfill his potential over hurdles. But there's also the notion that he looked like he was set to do an awful lot better. And having only had the three starts, there should be more to come from him as well. And he's got a touch of class about him. Um, but he does have, uh, he's, he's got to give weight away to I like to move it, who's race fit and was impressive at Worcester last time out. Um, and that might make the difference here. And obviously you've got Stephanie Cosway in there who's, um, who did very well um uh last season at a slightly lower level and comes here on the back of wind surgery for Dan Skelton so he'll be ready for the run as well and Tritonic will need to be you know at least as good as he looked at Kempton to give weight away to those two and we've seen a few shocks in this race over the years years as well so it's not it's not the easiest betting medium and it's never easy to work out with juvenile hurdlers which of those were precocious and won't really go on and which will take a step forward in their second season so um I tend to bite shy of of punting in races like this so respect for tritonic but but no bet race uh for rory by the sounds of things at the moment andy can you find us any value um well i always thought that tritonic was massively overrated last season and it wasn't a great surprise to me that he bombed out in the triumph hurdle and he's formed subsequently in a couple of races on the flat uh, you know or you know uh, it didn't really kind of like show that much either um Got a touch of the Goshen for me, that horse. I wouldn't want to be touching him at even money, even allowing for the fact that Alan King's also in good form. I'd also probably want to get against I Like to Move It, which I've got to be careful here because I'm going to be left with one horse running for me. But he, he jumped. He <laughs> Two jumped. shots of tequila, 66 to 1. Well, he jumped awfully. It was the first time. I had. He, he only had the brush hurdles to jump there. But his technique was absolutely horrible. He was very straight backed. He spent ages in the air. I mean, how he, how he won, I do not know. Um, well, I do know because he was his flat for, flat speed that got him got him home. But he's certainly going to have to jump a hell of a lot better. And obviously, with Stepney Causeway in there putting the pressure on at the front, he's going to have to be much much, much slicker. Um, so I'd I'd be with Stepney Causeway here. The race that All Mankind ran in last year wasn't he got beat by Botax Har. So I think Dan would be looking to try and resurrect that um, that sort of um, negative. And Stepney Causeway hadn't had the hard kind of knocking season that All Mankind had last year. I think he's very uh, um, well campaigned by connections. That they kind of like avoided the bigger meetings, thinking, well, he, you know, we'll, we'll give him a chance, and he might make into a nice four-year-old. Um, he's had wind surgery, so they've obviously cleared up a little bit of uh, remedial work there. And I think Dan Skelton, albeit he's not in the greatest to shape the man. I think, to be fair, he's only been running his C and his B team. I think some of his A team is beginning to step into uh, into the breach here. So I think we'll see a better um, uh, collective of performances from Dan Sources over the weekend. Uh, and so, yeah, he'd do for me, Stepney Causeway, just on process elimination, really. Don't like Tritonic at the price. I think the second favourite, Twist and Davis, also need to jump better. So Stepney Causeway. Stephanie Causeway, five to two, uh, best price at the moment. The one for Andy taking on Tritonic, and I like to move it. Uh, on then to the eight 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 Sport handicap chase. The fourth race on the card, the three thirty, and Sky Pirate is the eleven to four favourite ahead of Before Midnight at four to one. Uh, then we've got uh, Leap Away at six to one uh, alongside Belargus, um, the Thiever at. Nine to one, Ashdor nine to one, Ashdor ten to one. Actually, Hatcher twelve to one, uh, Vawadarev twelve to one, twenty-two to one. Solar Impulse, Andy, I'll stick with you here. Sky Pirate opened up at seven to two, uh, then one hundred thirty, then three to one, now eleven to four in the last ten minutes. So they're coming for Sky Pirate. Do you agree? Um, yeah, I can see why he's favourite. I mean, he won the 
Brandon Hamgill, for goodness sake, and we know he loves Cheltenham. Um, by and large, he goes well fresh. Not sure whether he's, he wins first time out going fresh. I'll, I'll have to sort of check my notes there. But um, yeah, this looks a fair starting point, doesn't it? If he is going to be a sort of on the fringes of champion chase stand, and he's already waited 159, then he ought to be going to uh, going close to win a race like this. He's a bit similar to like uh, Rouge, uh, Rouge Viv, who I think won early on in the season for Harry Harry Whittington last year. That kind of animal. He's probably not mm. going to be grade one, but he's probably going to be sort of grade three listed company, I, I, I'd suggest. Um, so, yeah, he's a player. But I, I'm a massive fan of Sam Thomas. Oh, he had a terrific season, Sam. Really came of age. Had a great season numerically and class-wise as well. And he's got before midnight here, who I think is very well handicapped to Mark 136. He, he beat a good field at Chepstone a very fast time when we last saw him in April. He likes good ground. He goes really well fresh. He's hardly run a bad race in five or six starts over fences. And I just love his jumping as well. You watch him in, in isolation. He really does get his front and his back end up. And, and Sam's made a good start to the season. He's already had uh, one win and two plays from three runners recently. So you can bet your bottom dollar that this thing will be absolutely A1 for this race. Uh, and he likes to race up with the speed as well, which is never a bad thing at Cheltenham. So, yeah, before midnight, will do for me in this one. Before midnight, four to one best price as it stands in this 888 Sport Handicap Chase. Rory? Again, um, in agreement with Andy there, I think before midnight is a really interesting um, prospect for the year. He's he's not had uh, much racing for his age. Again, I I was impressed with him at Chepstow. He did make one bad mistake that day, um, and I thought he did remarkably well to um, um, uh, to maintain his momentum. He only won by three quarters of a length, but had he had he um, I think was the fourth last he hit hard. Four out, yeah. Um, If he if he jumped that as well as he jumped the others, I think he'd have won ten lengths. Um, and as Andy says, he looks well handicapped, just seven pounds higher for that. Whereas, uh, yeah, uh, listen, I know Sky Pirate won the won the Grand Annual, but it's not it's not the hottest handicap in the world. The Grand Annual, we, sh- we shouldn't we shouldn't make the mistake of thinking if a race is run at the Cheltenham Festival, it must be the best race of its type <laughs> in the world. Um, and that's you know obviously it's it's largely true of the championship races, but it's not always true of the handicaps. And he's up seven pounds as well. I think um, that uh, before midnight is the one with more scope for to to improve beyond that. Um, Sky Pirates obviously got plenty of class, but he's, he is tricky. Um, I know he mostly got his act together last season, um, but he threw away the, the race on his return. Uh, as Andy says, he doesn't have, he doesn't actually have a great um, win record fresh. He does tend to run well fresh. Doesn't take much getting fit, but he's he's managed to throw away a couple of winning opportunities. Um, as I said, you know he, he turned the corner last season uh, to a large extent, but he's up to one five nine now. And I, I I don't really see him as a champion chase candidate. I think there's a big difference between a race at the Grand Annual and the Champion Chase itself. Every now and again, you get a young horse to come along and win the Grand Annual and step up and be good enough for the for the Champion Chase. We've seen that a few times in the past, but um, he doesn't he doesn't strike me as being quite in that mould. Although he's, you know he's, he's I'd fancy him to beat Hatcher at the weights, for example, and one or two of these have got high enough um, in the weights for winning for winning slightly lesser contests. Um, but that makes it's what makes that before midnight look well handicapped because I think. Uh, the handicapper has not gone overboard about that impressive win at Chepstow. Um, and you've got a couple of horses in there, you know, Solar Impulse is a, a light of yesterday. Uh, a shooter might have been interesting at a big price. I think he was a big price earlier in the week, but he was um, he was put up by a good judge and he's been punted into a, into quite a short price now. If he was a 33 to 1 shot, you, you could throw an arrow at him. But I think, I think he said he was 10 to 1. Um, mm, George 10 to 1. The prices. Yeah. That, doesn't, that doesn't make a huge amount of appeal given he's out of the weights. Um, he does have ability, but he was... Um, he was 39 lengths behind um, before midnight last time out. Um, and although you can make excuses for him on that day, that wasn't his absolutely his true form. There's no hint that he he's actually as good as uh, before midnight on his other form. Uh, he's just the kind of horse who who might have been completely left alone in the market and um, would have been worth backing each way to pick up the pieces. Whereas before midnight strikes me as the kind of horse who can um, who can uh, hit a high level over fences. And and Sam Thomas, he, he's had very few runners. I think he's had three runners in the last. Um, last seven or eight weeks so he's really i said last last probably last three months actually he's really setting himself up as a trainer of, of proper winter horses um rather than like a lot of trainers do try to pick up what they can through the summer and the early autumn before the the big mm. guns come out so sam you know he's he's keeping his powder dry um and he's basically saying right i've i've learned uh, i've learned what i can as a trainer you know his his early seasons his strike rate was pretty poor um but he really picked up um last season particularly um his strike rate went way up the kind of horses he's getting through his yard are, are better 
Um, and he's getting better horses sent to him as well as a result. So I think he's going to turn into a half-decent trainer, Sam. He didn't hit the ground running, um, but he's um, he's learned and he's um, he's changed the way he does things, I think. Um, and he's now getting um, proper winter horses, if you like. Uh, and before midnight, looks in that mould. And I think not running him through the summer has probably helped his handicap mark. And this is where it pays for him. Before midnight there for Sam Thomas getting a, a doubly good write-up there from Rory and from Andy. Uh, the one for them, four to one best price at the moment. Uh, second favourite behind Sky Pirate. Uh, the penultimate race we'll be covering now is the Potemps Network Handicap Hurdle. Um, the Potemps qualifier, Tully Beg, is four to one favourite uh, as it stands uh, ahead of um, Butler's Brief, who is seven to one, uh, joint second favourite with Hall away, both seven to one. Uh, Panic Attack, 10 to 1. Geordie Champ and uh, Born Patriot and Push to Tempo and Shannon Bridge, all 10 to 1. Havana Hermano, 12 to 1 uh, with Matt Gillany. And to be fair, um, Rory will stay with you here for this um, this handicap hurdle. Um, Tully Begg, the 41 favourite, but a pretty open affair. Yeah, um, you don't necessarily want to go go mad punting on um, on Pretemps qualifiers for, for obvious reasons, <laughs> but it's always worth bearing in mind. Um, what trainers' plans are in terms of getting horses qualified for this and the handicap marks that they bring into the races with them as well. Um, I'm inclined to give another chance to Jordi Deschamps, um, who was um, a little bit disappointing when backed into favouritism for a um, for a veterans handicap chase at Chepstow in his return. But I, I didn't think, with all respect to Adam Wedge, I didn't think he came in for a good ride that day um, on ground that, that probably was quick enough for him. He had one on good to firm ground before that. Um, but I think he needed more use made of him um, the way that race was run. Uh, it was very difficult to come from off the pace. He travelled well enough, but then he got into the bottom of a couple of fences and, and lost his position. He ended up coming home um, fifth behind some chaos. He was much more prominently ridden. Some chaos was always on the pace that day. And I don't think we saw the best of Jordi Deschamps, who's very, very likely raced for a horse of his age. He's got a mark of 130. So if they're thinking about getting him into the um, uh, the pretense, he needs to be uh, he needs to be going up in the weights. Um, so winning this race or, or, or running very well wouldn't go astray um, in terms of that. I just think he's got he's got more ability than his current mark um, suggests. He hasn't always been the easiest to to um, uh, to get right. Um, but this is the right time of year to be back in Rebecca Curtis's horses. Um, hopefully her, her stable will will hold its form through the year, but it hasn't always been the case. Um, the run at least will have done him good as well at Chepstow. So he'd be um, he'd be ready for this. Um, and uh, I think he should run a half decent race. Uh, it's not a, it's not a, a race I'd be uh, falling over myself to have a bet in. And uh, I'm not sure I, I didn't pick up the price that he was when you read it out there, George. Eleven to one. Yeah, it's, uh, eleven to one. Eleven to one is fair. Um, it doesn't have me um, uh, lo- logging off and uh, and getting onto the, <laughs> the betting accounts. But I, I think he's I think he's better than the result. I put him in my notebook after that race as one to one to give another chance to. Um, I didn't think he'd be running in a perchance qualifier. I thought he might stay over fences. Uh, veterans chases make a lot of sense for him because he's, he's a very likely race 10 year old. He's among the younger group of horses in those races. So it, it, that's a good spot for him. But uh, I, I think he'd be over fences again next time. But um, they want to keep their options open and get him qualified for a race at Cheltenham. And winning this um, would put him um, you know, in the weights and qualified for the, the pretense final if they wanted to go that route. So he looks like he's going to be off at least. Geordie Deschamps there, yeah, 11-1, to one, the one for Rory. Andy, how do you see this? Like I do with most per attempts qualifiers um, <laughs> all, the, all the way through the season, there's only really one that counts and is worth look, looking at in depth nowadays and, and that's the one that has run at um, Leopardstown over Christmas. You can forget the rest. They're just mm. sideshows to the main event, really. Um, that that one is, is has been traditionally the, the best one for, throughout the last four or five years. Uh, so I don't expect the winner to be coming um, out of this race, um, but I do expect the winner to go to Ireland, um, as, they, as they've shown in the Pertems final itself. It doesn't matter how much weight you give them, what mark they get, they just win anyway. Um, I think the Irish uh, seed is much more competitive, um, and they've got two here, two uh, lively ones, Tully Beg and, and Bourne Patrol. Now we've we've already talked about um, that Barden Stand lad. We're hoping that he franks the form on the Friday as we as we preview this race for Saturday but um, Tully Begg um, won that race at Navan last time out 
staying on very strongly. And then he went on to win at Garen. And again, in a very fast time, there was three hurdle races, four hurdle races on that card that day. That was the fastest overall, but it was also the fastest last circuit. And when you consider there was three races over two miles and his, his race over three miles was the, was the fastest by about three or four lengths. Um, was, sorry, for three or four seconds, not three or four mm. lengths. It was an incredible run. So I think Tully Begg is very much going through the grades quite at a rapid rate of knots. And, and Born, Born Patriot, albeit has got a bit to find with um, his old rival from that Navin run. Uh, he strikes me as being a horse that might be well suited by a big field handicap. And of course, Peter Fye knows what he's doing when he brings one over to Cheltenham. Of course, Belfast Banter reminded of us last season. So just keep this one really simple. Just back the Irish two horses. It's just a, the, best, <laughs> the best formula to having three more handicaps when they come over. So Tully Begg and, and Born Patriot, I'd probably ditch the pair. Simple as that. Uh, Tully Begg, the four to one favourite, and uh, Born Patriot. 12 to 1 uh, best price as it stands. Andy, stick with you for the last. No prices out. So I'll just leave it over to you guys to say if there's anything you want to flag up. It is the 440, the Mick Turner, a lifetime in racing novice chase, uh, five run. We've got Does He Know for Kim Bailey, uh, Rod, Rod Dubai, The Name of Aids Me. That's an apt one for given my pronunciation of the one before. Uh, Oscar Elite and Under Supervision, the five that run, Andy. Any that you fancy? I think it's a quite nice little race, this. Um... We might see a few of these back at the festival in uh, March. So it's a, it's a contest that you need to look at uh, quite closely to how they jump. And I, I think out of the, all of them, I think Oscar Elite is probably the one that jumps out as, as being a national chase type, RSA type, if, if you're going to kind of like look at races um, further down the line. Obviously third in the Albert Bartlett suggested he's going to be a three-mile stayer um, over fences. This is a good starting point. It's a meeting or, uh, or a track where the Tizards, I'm not sure where we should look at that Colin Tizard now and look at Joe Tizard, uh, do really well um, in getting their sort of like practice um, with their novices un- under their belt. And he, he's always looked to chase, hasn't he? If you look at him, you know, he, he, mm. he covers a lot of ground and, and has got a good um, way of going. So he's probably the one I'd, I'd have most of my attentions drawn to. But you've got, does he know, obviously won well at Chepster already with a run under his belt. We know he can operate at a good level. And uh, under supervision as well, looked a nice horse last season, didn't he? Uh, when when we saw him, the, the fleeting glimpses we got of him. So um, being a former point-to-pointer, I'm sure he'll have a good career of fences. But as it stands, I think Oscar Elite would probably be the one I'd choose out of this five. Oscar Elite there, Colin Tizard's Oscar Elite for Andy. Any you're interested in here, Rory? Well, I was I was asked for a, um, a horse to follow by Paul Ferguson for his his jumpers to follow book, and I actually put Oscar Elite up. Um, as my as my horse for the season, uh, on the basis that um, um, he he was running, he was pretty raw last season. But the fact that Colin Tizard dropped him to two miles and ran him in that listed hurdle at um, at Exeter in February, and he was well beaten in the end in what was a strong enough race. But it's a little bit of a giveaway with Colin. Um, whatever he considers to be the best horse in the yard gets a gets an outing in that um, in that listed race, um, and he's uh, he's won it with uh, Native River won it um, going back and. Um, yeah, his, his his best horse, best novice every year essentially gets a gets a spin in that whether the trip is right for it or not, um, and that suggested that Oscar Elite is held in, in very high regard. He hadn't, you know, he, when he won at Chepstow early in the season, he hadn't achieved a hell of a lot on the book. Um, he looked very promising, but it was easy enough to pick the form apart. Um, and uh, of course, you know, you find the trip inadequate at Exeter, but he stepped up markedly uh, to hit the frame at Cheltenham and the entry after that. And he's a horse who's just beginning to hit his straps now, so. He looks a really promising type for um, uh, for fences, and um, yeah, I'd be disappointed if he's not good enough to win a race like this. Um, you know, you don't really want to start your season off at Cheltenham in October um, by blotting your copybook. So I'd be, mm. I'd be hopefully he'd run really well. I, I've also always liked Dossie No as a project, and he did it nicely at Chepstow um, first time out. Again, he's um, he's got a bit of a, a flat pedigree, but he's very much a chaser in, in appearance. Um, He's not, he ran at the same um, Exeter meeting and was very disappointing. Um, I spoke to Kim Billy shortly after that, and he was kicking himself for running the horse because he thought it was it was a small field race. It was a pretense qualifier, and he thought he could give the horse options at the Cheltenham Festival by just giving you know give him an easy, and it would be you know he'd be guaranteed to be mm-hmm. qualified. Um, but the horse hated the heavy ground um, and didn't run a race at all. And then it was a terrible rush uh, to get him to Cheltenham. He ended up running really well to be fifth in the um, in the Ballymore. Um, off what was a poor preparation and he showed what he could do when winning at Chepstow the first time out now he's got to give weight away here which is not ideal to horses with plenty of class um, but he is a, he is a nice sort going forward 
the the one blot in his copybook was that he he ran out at Newbury in the Chalo hurdle. Um, again, I spoke to Kim about that, and I watched the race a number of times. Again, it's just he was looking around him um, all through the race, and I think he was he surprised himself when he saw the the um, the wing of the hurdle. Um, it's, it, the the way the hurdle course is marked out at, at Newbury meant yeah. it was kind of an island, um, and it, it wasn't next to the rail. So he seemed to surprise himself, and he ha had to make a, a split second decision, and he ducked left rather than ducking right. And I don't think that's really um, it's not a sign of ungenuineness. He he does have temperament. If you've watched him in the parade ring in any of his races, he tends to very nearly boil over, and he's a real handful pre race. But I think. As he gets older, he'll get better in that regard. So I think down the line, does he know is going to be a decent chaser? But he probably he may struggle to give weight away here to um, to the likes of Oscar Elite if that horse is fit. Well, there we have it. Uh, the jumps is back. Uh, thank you very much to both uh, Andy and to Rory for sharing their insight over the Friday and the Saturday of Cheltenham Showcase. That was our Cheltenham Showcase preview. Thanks once again to 888 Sport for sponsoring this podcast and video. And thank you very much again to Barry Garrity for joining us for a chat. We're going to be with you throughout the national hunt season. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast uh, uh, channel as well. You can find it on all podcast platforms there. Uh, you can find all of our previews every week uh, over the national hunt season. Please make sure that you do download the odds checker app and please uh, ensure you gamble responsibly. This is for 18 plus only. Uh, ensure you enjoy the racing but make sure you take all these tips make sure you are gambling responsibly at all times thank you very much 